Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to another week of Kingdom Keys, hosted by Earlhead Pride. You're here with your host, Maurice Elston, Nate Christensen, and Price Carter. All from Earlhead Pride here. Divisional round, fellas. We are, The Chiefs are, had the first round by, right, for the number one seed. And now we finally get the anticipated matchup um, against the Jacksonville Jaguars in, um, at Earlhead Stadium. So I'm excited about this week. Um, I think we'll have some great stuff going in. and We'll get some keys to victory here. But as always, let's start with the injury report. What are we looking like as far as injuries on both sides? So, so our fearless leader, Pete Sweeney, tweeted out about an hour ago, uh, McCole Hardman's the only person not practicing. Um, that that injury's been well documented. It looks like he's definitely not playing this week. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire and Jody Fortson have been practicing as well. So it looks like they're you know kind of on the path to recovery, so the Chiefs could be adding them as well. All right. Have we looked at anything on the Jack- Jacksonville side? Anything significant going on over there at all? Um, well, I know, let me, let me take a look. I'm not sure I've seen theirs today. They came out of that game fairly healthy. It did look mm-hmm. like, um, let's take a look here for the Jags. Their injury report was short. I remember that. There's not a lot yeah. of guys on there. Speaking of the Jacksonville, let's, let's go there real quick. I mean, are anybody surprised? I know we kind of spoke about the game last week and, I think, I think me and Price may have picked the Jags, but we were still like the Chargers could win. And, and Nate yeah. gave the, the, the Jacksonville no chance. And first half, it looked like Nate was absolutely yeah. correct. <laughs> I feel like I was right on both because I remember saying that if it was a closed fourth quarter game, I was going to pick the right. Jags. I mean, obviously I was wrong. I didn't think that the Jags were going to come back. But then I, and I think when one it thing got, when it got tight, did. I was like, oh, the Jaguars are going to win this. And I think one thing we all said, I think, came to be true, that if Jacksonville was going to win, it was going to be because they out, they outcoached uh, the, the Chargers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely <laughs> what happened. And that's definitely what happened there. Yeah, looking at the Jags practice report, uh, everybody practiced who's on the active roster. There were a couple of players who were limited. Uh, Trevor Lawrence popped up a couple of weeks ago with a toe injury. Brandon Scherf got an abdominal injury, but they were all limited, so it looks like pretty much everyone's practicing. You know, they crop up injuries. And, yeah, I mean, going back to that game, right, I think – Chiefs fans were probably the only people at some point who were still watching that game right after halftime. You know, I, I thought it was really important for the Jags to go down and score right before halftime. That way they had something positive on the board coming back from halftime. We all know part of a run is the defense getting stops and then the offense scoring, right? And that was the other thing. You just never really thought that the, t- the Chargers were moving the ball that well. They had a lot of short fields whenever they were getting the 27 points. And then after halftime, they didn't move the ball very well. So it always felt possible. I think the most remarkable part about that comeback was they did it with no turnovers. You think about like the Chiefs' big comeback against the Texans. There was a lot of turnovers involved in that on uh, special teams and short fields. That, that wasn't the case. They they did it the hard way. And to Doug Peterson's credit, 
they, they, they did it and they did a great job. And I, I, you know, one thing that I think will kind of lead in nicely to this game too, is that Trevor Lawrence, he made every mistake possible in the first half. So at that point, what is there to do other than just go out and keep slinging it? You know, you've thrown four interceptions, what six, if that's the case. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I, it was tremendous. It was very impressive. It was an emotional win. And I think this team is going to be hard to kill a little bit. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that. I definitely think we, we got to, uh, you know, follow, you know, of course, crazy Chiefs Kingdom on Twitter. <laughs> and some of them are really thinking that we're just about to demolish the Jaguars. And I'm like, oh, let's let's pump the brakes. We're going to have to put out a solid performance here to get through that. So speaking of solid performance, let's jump right in, Price. What, what do you think is a, a key to victory this week for the Chiefs? Well, when you look at the Jags and going back to that game against the Chargers, I think one of the most important things that they did was keep the run as a viable option. Doug Peterson is getting a lot of flowers, deservedly so, this week for how well he managed that game. And he did all the sharp things. You know, he went for two when he needed to. He went for fourth downs when he needed to. Now, their backs were against the wall, of course. But one of the things that is a little underreported is the fact that they were down 20 and still running the ball frequently. Now that was smart to do against that Chargers defense, right? Chargers have been bad against the run all year. Travis Etienne's a very good running back. He had 109 scrimmage or 109 yards rushing in that game. Keeping that pass that run option in the game is something that is very important to the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence is a good, not great quarterback. What he's going to look final product, we don't know. But having that run still be an option really opened up the passing game because if you look, notice a lot of those game a lot of that game was dink and dunk you know, between the five and 10 yard depth of target for him. He had the bomb down to the field to Marvin Jones, but Marvin Jones was like little league wide open in that game, you know, in that particular play. Doug Peterson's probably going to have one or two of those. He's a great, great coordinator and a great guy. And he, you know, he comes from the Andy tree, but I think for the chiefs and something they did very good in the game in Kansas city is that they limited Etienne. They didn't let him get to the outside. The that's the place that the chiefs run defense is in, to me, has improved the most is the side to side. Um, they want to get Etienne on the outside and do the outside stretch zone stuff. And if the Chiefs can limit him again, it really makes that passing offense one dimensional. The the Jags off, offense, their weapons, they're good, not great. No, no one player in that game is going to take over that game. They don't have the star power. You know, Christian Kirk, good. Evan Ingram, good. Marvin Jones, good. Zay Jones, good. But there's no game breaker. There's no guy out there that if you don't stick two people on is going to still go up and get it. And that that to me is honestly the deciding factor in this game. If you look at it and you take, you know, the top 10 players from both rosters and rank them, I think probably the first three are Chiefs. They're Travis Kelsey, they're Patrick Mahomes, and they're Chris Jones. Not in that order before you're even considering taking a Jaguar. So make their offense one-dimensional, control the run game, and I think that's going to control a lot of the script on defense for the Chiefs. Yeah, I found all this from Football Outsiders. I thought it was interesting. It was talk like this isn't all ETN carries. This is the Jaguars as an entirety, but the majority of their carries are probably ETN. So I'll just kind of read them off here. So when they're running at the left end, they're 17th in yards per carry at 4.4. They're sixth in the rate that they do that. When they run left tackle, they average 5.1 yards per carry, but they're last running behind their left tackle. This is what's interesting. Running through the middle in their guards, they only average 3.7 yards per carry, which is 31st in the NFL. And right tackle, they average like 4.1, which is 21st, and 4.3 on their right end. So what that means overall is that they run to the outside well. This is not a team that runs to the middle well. Uh, Travis Etienne's really talented. He's really, really fast and dynamic, but he's not a big, powerful back. 
when they traded James Robinson away, they kind of lost that element to their offense, which was calculated. And James Robinson wasn't good for the Jets, but they don't really have that in their offense anymore. So as a defense, your cornerbacks are going to have to tackle well. That's something the Chargers did terribly last week, including on that last play of the game. Um, the Chiefs have very good tackling corners. That's something that's good for them. And they do do the, our linebackers do a good job running in space. So if you, you can, you know, force ETN to stop his feet and run through the middle, you're going to stop their run game entirely. And I think that's a big deal because they can generate explosive runs, but they aren't a consistently great running team, like a consistent four or five yards. They're not successful necessarily or efficient. So, yeah, I agree with that. Run, forcing them to run through the middle is the best way to stop their run game. And I feel like um, I agree with all that because I feel like, you know, as far as the knocks that has been on, let's say, Frank Clark over his kind of career here, one thing that to me he's consistently done well is set the edge against the run. Mm-hmm. Like he sets the edge to plays to run very well. And you even seen George Kalafis and Dunlap, you know, play very well and good at setting that edge. So I think that's a strong suit for us. Most of the time when I've seen the Chiefs get gashed in the run game, it's been kind of up the, up the middle. You know, and getting and getting us there. So the fact that they don't they lack there is a strong suit. I think uh, Willie Gay definitely will be a big part in you know get sideline to sideline to kind of you know stretch it out. And like like you said, Nate, our corners are very good at, at tackling. Um, not afraid to get in there. You know, some corners are, are are okay at tackling, but but afraid to really don't want to get in there and get dirty. I don't think we have that problem with any of our corners. They all they all attack the run pretty well. So. I definitely think we can slow that run game down and make them one-dimensional. I think that would be a huge factor. And if you think about the teams that have given the Chiefs issues in the run game, you think back to the Raiders game here in Arrowhead and earlier in the year, they're putting heavy personnel. They're going six offensive line, 12 personnel, 13. You know, they've got all those tight ends, and they're going up the middle. Those are the teams that they've struggled to control the run game in. Um, they've not really been killed on the outside this year. So I, I think it's a favorable matchup. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think that's kind of what I come down to a lot with this game is a lot of the things that the Chiefs do well are weaknesses of the of the Jags, and I think that's you know that's kind of how the story of the game is going to go. I agree with all that. <laughs> Absolutely, definitely. So, Nate, what do you think? What do you, what, do you, what do you think is a key to to a Chiefs victory this week? Well, the last time these guys or these two teams played, it was arguably the Chiefs' most like explosive passing performance. Like there, and it wasn't necessarily that like Patrick Mahomes was generating a ton of explosive plays. Like there were wide open explosive plays. So pulling up some stats from next gen stats uh when they played last time on throws past 15 air yards Patrick Holmes was six for seven for two touchdowns over 20 air yards he was four for four for one touchdown including a 33 yard air yard pass and a 26 air yard pass that doesn't even include a 32 yard to carries Tony jet sweep a 23 yard play action throw to Tony in the flat and a 19 yard pass to McKinnon in the flat some stats from the game, Patrick Holmes for the week 10 in the NFL was seventh in average completed air yards at 7.5. His average intended air yards was 7.2, which is one of the lowers. His time to throw was 3.14 seconds. And the two guys ahead of him were like Justin Fields and Russell Wilson, who like get sacked at like an abnormally high rate. But like, I don't, th- I don't think they had a sack on Mahomes last time. He just had all day in the pocket. I, they had hardly had any pressures at all. Um, aggressiveness percentage, which is like throws into tight windows. I think I, I don't know exactly next gen stats calculates it, but it was 8.6%, which was one of the, like the lowest of the week. All that to say was that the Chiefs were generating explosive passes in like very easy ways. 
they had there was a route to Travis Kelsey like on an over route where he was like as wide open as like I could have ran it. It was wide open. He generated like a fifty yard pass there. They had MBS run wide open for a touchdown. They had Noah Gray run wide open for a touchdown. Like the Jaguars were not doing a good job of communicating that at all. And then Kadarius Tony had two long runs himself. So overall, they were able to generate explosive plays like consistently throughout that game. And I think the Jaguars defense has maybe gotten better but it's still they're still pretty poor at linebacker they have one good defensive back i think we're in for the chiefs just getting explosive play after explosive play especially since they've been kind of setting that up through the past few weeks and i think they're going to capitalize on all of that this week yeah and going back to the time to make those explosive plays right the jaguars are kind of a unique team defensively they are one of the worst teams in the league as far as yards allowed. They're 26, and yet they rank 12th in points allowed. So um, you can go up and down in the field on them. They do tighten up in the red zone. Additionally, talking about the Jags pass rush, Jags are towards the bottom of the league in sacks. However, they are top three in presser, pressure percentage. But the good news is, is one, that again, strength on strength. The Chiefs' offensive line is definitively a strength. And if you, if you just break it down, you know, Trayvon Walker was the first overall pick in the draft because of his athletic profile. That's not translated yet. Maybe that's a year two, year three jump. But Josh Allen, the pass rusher, he relies mainly on strength. And that goes right in hand with what, um, what Orlando Brown does. And if there's a quarterback that's great at mitigating pressure by what he does in the pocket, it's Patrick Mahomes. So pressure doesn't affect him. You know, if we we're talking about a Derek Carr or, you know, a 45-year-old Tom Brady, that pressure can bother them. But that's something that Mahomes does really well. So... Not only do they have the ability to make those big chunk plays, but they have the time to do it too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think one thing like Doug Peterson, of course, knows knows Andy Reid's offense pretty well. So he'll go back and watch the film and, and I think have his guys prepared in a different way for what they seen last time. And that's what makes Andy Reid so great, is that he'll 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 study so much film and watch what what they did last time and know what the what the Bengals, not the Bengals, what the Jags would be looking for. And have a way of setting up the same type of formation, but giving you the same look, but something totally different out of that look. And I think um, how how he keeps defenses off balance is what makes him so great. So I definitely think Andy Reid to come with a plan, and as you said, Price, the pressure. Uh, Mahomes is best sometimes when he's pressured. That's when you see some of his his ability to keep things alive. And now he's got some of that chemistry down with more people than just Travis. Um, he seems to have that chemistry down, you know, with, with a juju. Um, and and I, and I so I think that that if they do pressure him and get my home outside that pocket, that's when we'll we'll, we'll see some bigger plays. And, and I'm looking to see a big game from some of these receivers, man. I think having Tony, you know, I think t- the last time when it, when it, when we first played the Jack, that might have been Tony's first game, if I'm not mistaken, with the, with the Chiefs. So he only had like that handful of, of plays that he know not the playbook that was there. Um, you see him get more, you know, since he's been back, get implemented more and more into the office. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how they use him this week. And I think that will definitely generate some big plays for us. A couple of things. McCole Hartman did not play in that first Jacksonville game either. So it wasn't like he was generating a lot of things. And Dwayne Smoot, who's like a defensive tackle, passage defensive tackle for Jacksonville, he tore his Achilles and he's out. And I kind of wonder if if you're the Mike Caldwell as a defensive coordinator, they could not like I just said they could not pressure Mahomes at all the last time these teams played. Like they they weren't even getting like hurries on him, let alone sacks or anything like that. I do wonder if they're going to be like we have to blitz, like we have mm-hmm. to do something to generate pressure. 
And if that's the case, like maybe they win once in a while, but I think that even make, makes the Chiefs more explosive. I mean, now you're having to defend way more space. We know what Patrick Rums has done versus the Blitz in the past. So I wouldn't be surprised if their plan is like, look, we're, we need the turnovers. We're going to need pressure. Like, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them blitz a lot more this week because last time these guys played, they could not touch Mahomes at all. Yeah, I think the, the blitzing element of it is interesting. They actually are right behind the Chiefs in blitz percentage as a defense, which is about middle of the pack. So mm-hmm. they, they're kind of, they try to let their four guys get there and keep everything in front of them defense. So, and we've seen teams try to do that a little bit more this year. I think the most notable example of that was the Broncos game, the first one, where Patrick Mahomes was like seven for seven for 150 yards when they blitzed them every time. It's been interesting to see that. I'm not necessarily sure what defenses are seeing that they want to go down that path again. I think it might just be the lack of weapons uh, in the passing game that they, you know, they used to be so afraid of Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman, and now they're not. But to me, this is the best offensive line that Mahomes has played in front of. Um, I know that they had their trials. You know, Orlando Brown struggled a little bit earlier in the year, and I think Trey Smith was, you know, battling injury. But they've really come into sh- to form here. Joe Tooney got another uh, week of rest on the ankle, but I mean. I think this is, you know, this is definitely the best offensive line he's played in front of, and it, it bodes well for the Chiefs, even if they do blitz. Yeah, and then, and then another thing, I think, like like uh, Nate pointed out, too, like that first game, Hardman didn't play, and we got explosive, and Juju went out early because that's the game he mm-hmm. got the concussion. So, and then you had, like, a week, uh, uh, first game, Tony in there. So, with, with a healthy Juju, Tony Moore, you know, experience in this offense, if they do choose to blitz, good luck. <laughs> it's really how you see like like good luck there. So I mean, my, my key to a to a Chiefs victory this week really is if we see any success that kind of Jacksonville to me had in week in in the week ten matchup against the Chiefs, it was really just Christian Kirk. I would you know he he had he had a, a a decent game out of the slot you know, and that's probably one of the worst games you've probably seen Legereus Sneed play all season long. But the Chiefs have done a lot of. Um, of, of alignment change, you know, since that time, definitely over the past three weeks of the, of the end of the season. Because week 10, you've seen uh, Legereus Sneed line up 56 snaps in the in – this, in, well, uh, no, not 56. Let me see where we at. Week 10. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he, he lined up a lot of um, – Trey McDuffie lined up 56 snaps outside while Legereus Sneed lined up 45 snaps in the slot. And when you, uh, when, you, when you bring that down and you look at the last three weeks – Legereus Need has been outside majority of the time, respectively, over the last three weeks of the season. He only had a total of seven snaps inside at the slot position, while McDuffie now has been manning that slot a lot more. And he's had 43 on week 16, 40, week 17, and 37, week 18. So I think that switch up will benefit the Chiefs. Um, looking overall, you know, Legereus Need has been, you know, complete. Um, a complete cornerback overall for for the Kansas City Chiefs. What he can do, blitzing, tackling, and coverage. But if we look at strictly coverage-wise, Trent McDuffie is probably the strongest cover corner that the Kansas City Chiefs have on their roster. And his ability to play inside and outside, I think he'll do a little better job at covering Kurt and limiting some of that things that Kurt, Kurt does well and take away kind of that main option. And I think Snead on the outside – Will, will, will bowl better for us. So I, I think locking that down, taking away that that option, because that's where it looks to be for for me, for Trevor Lawrence to be most comfortable is even Evan Ingram or or Christian Kirk is where it looks. So I think that 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 minor switch 
has really helped the Chiefs defense in the secondary of, of, of letting um Duffy play a little bit more inside and leaving Snead on the outside more than it's really boded well for him. Yeah, no, no, it's you're right, because that was I, I think he had nine catches, 105 yards, and two touchdowns. Um Jerry Sneed, as good as he is, he's he's a bigger corner. Like he's not not a traditional slot archetype. Well, Trent McDuffie is. Um, some Trevor Lawrence kind of overall stats from that game on passes past 20 air yards. He was three for eight for one touchdown. That includes he threw five passes down the left sideline past 20 yards. He was one for five. Um, I think all of those were at Trent McDuffie. I, I, at least four of them were. I know he had two or three incompletions there. Um, his time to throw that game was 2.29 seconds, which in week 10 was like the second fastest in the NFL. Um, he's already one of the fastest throwers in the NFL, fourth highest in the league. Um, 7.2 air yards, one of the lower like aggressiveness rankings. He had 4.3 average like air yards completed. So for every like completion, it was only going four yards past the line of scrimmage, which is the third lowest of that week. Um, so it, it is part like Christian Kirk, but the thing about Lawrence is he's gonna get rid of the ball quickly. Like based off the talent they have, his kind of play style in the NFL. He wants to get the ball horizontally into guys in space, including Christian Kirk, and let them run after the catch. I thought the Chiefs last time did a really good job of limiting that and forcing throws down the sidelines. And Lawrence is really talented. Like He's going to beat you once in a while. But I think over the course of a game, especially in cold conditions, like it's supposed to be in this Sunday, maybe the ball's a little wet if, it, you know, if there's a little bit of rain or snow or whatever. I'm trying to force throws down the sidelines. If the Chiefs lose because Marvin Jones has 10 catches for 120 yards and they're going to lose, right? Like that, that's just how you lose. You want to take them out of rhythm. It goes to Christian Kirk in entirety. I agree. Trent McDuffie's a much better option, a much quicker, um, quicker foot corner, I think would deal well with Christian Kirk. Maybe even give him a little bit of help over the top that Legereus Sneed generally doesn't get. But yeah, I think limiting him and limiting their horizontal action and forcing Lawrence to hold the ball or throw it down the sidelines is a way the Chiefs defense is going to win. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and you know, talking a little bit about making those plays in the secondary, you talked about Lawrence's time to throw. And, you know, the Chiefs had five sacks that day, and that was with left tackle Cam Robinson, who's now out for the season. I believe it's either an ACL or Achilles for him. Walker Little has stepped in, and honestly, he, he was a great prospect in the draft. Injuries really hampered him from going. He probably would have been a top 10, top 15 pick if it had not been for those injuries. But the Chiefs' pass rush has been consistent. Um, I did a little deep dive this week into kind of where are the Chiefs' sacks coming from. They finished with 55 on the year, second most in the NFL. Are they stacking up sacks against bad teams, or are they getting these sacks against playoff teams when it matters most? Uh, the numbers were nice and round. Basically, about 60% of the Chiefs' snaps or sacks are coming from non-playoff teams. They played nine games against non-playoff teams, eight playoff teams, if you include both Chargers games. And they've got the rest of the 40% against the playoff teams. Probably the biggest outlier was the Buffalo and Cincinnati game where they had two sacks in both of those games. One of those sacks came from Joe Burrow basically laying down and keeping the clock running towards the end of that game. That That's noteworthy, but, I mean, the Jacksonville game was one of the higher sack totals that they had against playoff teams. Uh I think the, one of the biggest, most undertold stories of the Chargers game was that Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack no-showed that game. If you had told Chargers fans in March, hey, you're going to get in a, game, in a playoff game and be up 27 nothing, and Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack can just rush the passer all day, they would have been elated. And instead, they no-showed. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure if that was more of a Cleo Mack is washed, Joey Bosa is injured thing, or if the offensive line really stepped up. But I do find that interesting. Like, hopefully... They have no player on the interior that replicates what Chris Jones does, right? So I think I think he's just your game breaker there. And again, like I think part of the reason why the Chiefs' sacks have increased is because the secondaries improved too. There are definitely some of these sacks that are covered sacks, and I think they're both playing off very nicely. And ultimately, a big part of the reason why they're middle of the tier in blitz percentage and second in the NFL in sacks. Yeah, One absolutely. note, real quick, with interior oh, yeah. pressure, the Chiefs had like three sacks strictly off interior pressure last game colin saunders had a sack chris jones had like a half sack that probably like it would have been his sack if Dunlap hadn't like gotten there at the same time and uh leo chanel had a sack on a blitz that's what happened he he came like on an interior blitz um they had one was off the edge um chris jones it was chris jones off the edge and then the last one was a blitz that came off the edge and then willie gay brought him down like through the middle but that with that time to throw, the fact they still generated five sacks speaks to interior pressure. Chris Jones is a monster that game, and that was one of Colin Saunders' best games as a pass rusher. And the Chiefs were able to generate interior pressure with blitzes, so that's that's definitely like a big part in stopping it too. Is like if Lawrence is going to get the ball out quickly, you want to get pressure where you can get it quickest, and that's definitely on the inside with Chris Jones. Yeah, that's funny because that's exactly what I, what I, where I was going to go is like, you know, for for, for pass throwers, that, that the passers that get rid of that ball quick, you know, it eliminates what them ends can do. So Joey, Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack not getting there is because he's getting rid of that ball so quick. You got to get that pressure up the middle. I think this is the perfect set setup for how Spags wants to play defense. You don't have anybody really outside that scares you so he can man up and bump and run like he loves to do and really get after the quarterback. This is a perfect type of setup for a SPAC-style coach game. 
Yeah, and, and a sneaky thing that they talked about in the game, unfortunately, if you had to listen to Tony Dungy and Al Michaels call the, the Chargers-Jags game, um, it was that Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert were like one and two in the NFL and most batted down passes, despite them both being like prototype quarterback build. Um, the Chiefs water polo team, as I like to refer to their defensive line between Carlos Dunlap, George Karloftis, uh, and Chris Jones, I think that'll be a sneaky element too. You get three or four of those, that's that's going to be a big help too because those are just straight up passes, defense, and completions that have zero chance of completion. George had a huge like uh, breakup. Like Christian Kirk was running like wide open like with like Nick Bolton covering him. It was like early in the game, like a third and ten. It probably would have been like a 35-yard gain. And he batted that down. Yeah, that is a good point. Like, I, I didn't know that about Lawrence. I knew that about Herbert. That's a, that's a weird, like, disparity. It must be the way they, like, throw the ball kind of low. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that, and they, like, since they have, like, arm, like, really good arm talent, they must try and, like, rifle, especially Herbert. Like, Herbert, everything's a line drive with him. So it's probably I, I, a lot easier. We're getting sidetracked here a little bit, but I, I thought that Herbert like started the game by he threw a pretty slick pass that was kind of from that three quarter submarine arm slot that Mahomes does sometimes, mm-hmm. and then he seemed to throw everything that way for like the rest of the first half. He just like locked into it, and there were several passes. Keenan Allen was wide open in the end zone for one of them that he just missed, and I felt it was like directly related to him throwing from that arm slot. So I'm not entirely sure what was up with that. But, yeah, I, I found that very interesting as they both are just, you know, statuesque quarterbacks. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I think we're all in agreement that we think the Chiefs will win, right? We, we think the Chiefs will win this game. Price, what's, what, what's your score prediction here for, for this Chiefs game? I like the Chiefs. They're definitely the better team. Um, I'll take the Chiefs 30-20. I think that this game gets a little tighter in the end than it probably will have actually been. I, I just think that the Jags are a team that have been playing the playoffs for six weeks now. They've needed every single win. And I think that they had to empty the clip to win that game um, against the Chargers. And that's an emotional aspect and that's a play calling aspect too. Um, coming into Arrowhead's a different game and facing, like like we've kind of addressed, the Chiefs just do so many things well that the tr- Jags don't. So I, I expect the Chiefs to run out a little bit. Honestly, I'd be a little nervous if the, like, if it's like, you know, 23 nothing in the first half, I'd be a little nervous just because of how the last couple of games have played out for the Chiefs and the Jags when they do that. Um, but I like the Chiefs here, and I feel like this is a game that we might be feeling pretty comfortable about in the fourth quarter, and then the Jags score late to kind of tighten it up. So I think that the Chiefs win in cover here. What's your thoughts, uh, Mike? I so two things. Number one, I cannot believe people are thinking this is some type of trap game for the Chiefs. This, this is the playoffs. There's no such thing as a trap game. Like if you think the Chiefs and Patrick Rose and Andy Reid off a of buyer, like just like looking ahead, like that's crazy. If you remember, like obviously the Houston game like started out horribly, but they they went on a 55 to seven run, and then the next year in the divisional round, everyone's like, oh the Browns, like the Browns have a good running game. The Chiefs were up like. 19 to zero until Patrick Mahomes went out of that game. It was the only reason why that game was close. So I don't under like new year, new team, but like, I don't understand the idea that like it was actually closer the last time that she said three turnovers too. They could have scored way more than 27 with the way they operated. Second point. The last time we saw Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, he played our, it, by far his worst half of football. Like it wasn't even close. And the way he followed it up with the season is arguably being the MVP. But now it's playoff football. And if you don't think he, he's talked about it all year, that game gnaws at him as it should. And he now has an opportunity to make it up. 
he has an opportunity to not redeem himself because certainly this isn't the only playoff game he's going to play again, but I think he's going to come out and play like a very, very good football game. I think he's going to come out with a point to prove, um, especially to whoever wins that Cincinnati Buffalo game. Like this is not going to happen again. I am not going to have a game where I forget how to play football for one half. So I think the chiefs offense is just going to light the scoreboard up Jacksonville. Their offense is better, but I don't think it's something that the chiefs can't, they're not, to me, they're not an offense that's like unstoppable, like the Bills or the Bengals when their quarterback's hot. I, I think there's ways you can get around it. So I have Chiefs winning 44-23. I don't see I, – I feel like I'm going crazy with people thinking like this is like an upset game. I, I really don't think this is a great matchup for Jacksonville, and that's what I've been seeing this week is that it somehow is. I, I really don't feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, thing, I, the thing I like most about the, this team coming in is that I feel like we – if we do go up early, one thing that I think we do better than what the Chargers do is, of course, we got Mahomes, but we we can run the ball, and I think mm-hmm. we've proven that over the definitely the second half of the season that when needed, we can actually run the ball. So with with Pacheco and then little check downs to McKinnon getting them involved, I think that'd be huge if we go up early to be able to you know kind of set, settle down and just not not take our foot off the gas but milk the clock. I don't think this is a great matchup either for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think we did we're just the better team. I think the Chiefs are really the better team here. Um, I'm going to go 35-24. I'm going 35-24. I think we get in the 30s this, this week, and you know, I think I think like 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 Price alluded to, Jags five four late and make it look a little closer than what it is to, to to make that make it look like that. But I think we control this game from start to finish, as far as Kansas City Chiefs go. Who do you think we'll be playing if we make it to the divisional round? If the Chiefs make it to the divisional round, who do you think they'll be facing off against? I know. I mean, the the AFC Championship. I say division. AFC Championship. I know it's hard, and there's a lot of reasons that you can go both ways here. But I think they're probably playing in Atlanta against the Bills. Um, I think. I think you can't block anybody. It's going to be a big problem. And the Bengals' offensive line is just really tore up. I think that there's a lot of you know there's a lot of things in both teams that are kind of not training the right way. Like the secondary is pretty beat up for the Bills, and not just beat up, but also not playing particularly well. But at the end of the day, I, I just think that the Bills do enough things better than the Bengals that I think if it turns into a game where they have to run the ball and Josh Allen has to go full moose mode where he just runs the ball and runs college or you know student body right, they'll do it. Like you know, and I, I just think that getting a little bit beyond football, I, I just think that they're kind of a team that believes that this is their destiny and this is their game to go win. And I, I think that they'll do pretty much anything to get back on the field with the Chiefs with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'm going to take the Bills. I prefer the Bengals, though. As Chiefs fans will remember from the 2021 Super Bowl, you can't block two bad tackles. And honestly, like we remember Mike Remmers and I think Andrew Wiley were the two tackles of the Super Bowl. Jackson Carmen and Hakeem Adeniji might be worse. And they're without their right guard, too. You like I know they don't have Von Miller, but and Joe Burrow will do a lot to mitigate pressure. He does it. That's definitely his best trait, in my opinion, is how he mitigates pressure. I just don't think it can matter. Like I think it's so hard. You can't protect two bad tackles. You saw that last week. The second Jonah Williams went out of that game, all the explosive passes were gone. They had to like everything was quick. They they haven't been able to run the ball the past month, and now they're without their offensive line. I I think. The easiest way I can say is this. At no point in that game last week did I think Miami was going to beat Buffalo, even when it was close. I thought the Ravens are going to beat Cincinnati. I thought the Ravens were the better team. I thought they played better on both sides of the ball. 
and a couple plays and the way they managed the game at the end flipped it. So it's I I I don't feel bad for Cincinnati because I'm not a Cincinnati fan, but like it does kind of suck. Like you spent all this time being like, we finally are healthy. Our team was headed in the right direction in the season, and then three offensive line injuries all just derail it. I mean, we get it. We were Chiefs fans for that Super Bowl team that was 14 and one, and then Mitch Schwartz, uh, Eric Fisher. And LVT opted out, but like when they didn't have the offensive line, it just it was too much. At that point, it was too much. So I, I think Buffalo is going to win. Especially, I agree with Price. That like I think they're going to run Josh Allen way more this week. Uh, I was talking about that with a couple people. Like I don't think they ran Josh Allen last week because they didn't feel like they needed to do that to win. Well, this week they do, and I don't. I just think that's such a hard thing to stop. So I think this week you'll see a lot more Josh Allen runs to mitigate some of his turnovers. And if the Bills don't turn the ball over, I don't think the Bengals can keep up. Yeah, and I, I think like one thing to, to just kind of acknowledge something that the Chiefs have done really well. Not only is their offensive line rebuild gone better than Cincinnati's, but also the depth is much better. You've mm-hmm. got three guys on the bench here who have all started and played meaningful NFL snaps at a mediocre level, at least. We'll say Nick Allegretti. You've got Lucas Nyang for the swing tackle spot. And then... Andrew Wiley, a guy who started, or not Andrew Wiley, Austin Ryder, who started a Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs, is still on the roster at center. So obviously you don't want any of those injuries, but like I feel like the Chiefs are much more prepared if that yes. happens. Now, what happened in 2020 was decimated, so I, I can't really b- blame them there. But I, and I don't even feel terrible about Prince Taniga Wanago or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that's how you say it. He's not looked horrible in filling in at left tackle. It's a weak league system, obviously. But, uh, you know, I, I think the Chiefs are just much more prepared if that does happen. He played the Jags game last time. He played a lot of snaps. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah. he did. Um, I'm going to lean towards the Bengals. I don't know why. All right, and I'll be honest here. Like, I, I, I feel like the Bills should win this game. Um, I feel like if Josh Allen continues to turn the ball over like he's done the last few weeks, that Bengals will be prepared to take advantage of that. If we see Josh Allen that we know he can be, like not the the, the fifth ranked Nick Wright prediction, Josh Allen. <laughs> I don't know, you know, I don't, you know, we see the Josh Allen that's, in my opinion, the second best quarterback in the league when he's at his best. Um, I think that it, it, the Bills win this game easily, but based off what I've seen the last few weeks from Josh Allen, if they don't run them more, I really lean towards the Bengals somehow trying to figure this thing out and, mm-hmm. and being able to to win this game. I, I want the Bengals. And it's one of the reasons I'm going. Absolutely. <laughs> I really want to play the Bengals. I really want to end all that talk and, and, and think that they got that they think they have over us and all that. But I, I, I would love I would love to see the Bengals here in Arrowhead. But I'm OK with the, at the Bills. We have to go to Atlanta. Yeah. And I think if you look at if you compare the Chiefs and the Bills a little bit, the thing that's good about the Bengals that makes those teams struggle is kind of the similar thing, right? The Chiefs and Bills are both a high variance team. Sometimes they can put up 44 and then sometimes they can turn the ball over four times. Um, Earlier in the year, the Bills were a a defensive team, but I feel like that's less and less the case looking at what they've put together in the tail part of the season. So yeah, if, if the Bengals, you know, if the Bills go out there and turn the ball over two or three times, the Bengals just seem to be this out situational you type of team that seems to just be so good at like forcing turnovers. And when they do, they always go get seven. So yeah, I think like if we're talking about what is the story of this game, it's can the, can the bills limit the turnovers? Because if so, I think there's a very clear path to victory for them. If, but if, if they're making it hard on themselves, it, it could be very close and they could lose. 
if Josh Allen plays like he did last week, they're not winning that game. But I just I I can't see Josh Allen playing like that again. He like lost his mind for like a half. His average and, depth of target in the fourth quarter was like 26 yards, and they were yeah. leading him by like three. The man was just like throwing nukes, and I don't know, I don't know what yeah. what what that was and why why they were doing that. I don't know if they were wanting to put stuff on tape, or if that was just Josh Allen going he, rogue or what. But yeah, he, I mean, as good as Allen is, I think the difference between he and Mahomes is Allen has like the chaos factor, and he he's he can snowball a little bit. Uh, even though he's negated some of that to where he is like very good now, like it's still a thing within him where like, like I, I remember when we played him last, like, yes, they had a couple touchdowns off the blitz, but like he was not seeing it well at all. It's just one of those things like that's the difference. Even if you think like Burrow's better, it's like Burrow and Mahomes, you just can't like get off schedule at all. Allen, you can, but yeah, to kind of conclude, if Josh Allen plays the way I expect him to and they use his legs, I think they win. If Josh Allen turns the ball over, I think it's really scary for Buffalo. Absolutely. Real quick, what do y'all think about the, the NFC? Who y'all, who y'all got coming out of there going to the NFC Championship? Eagles, Niners, NFC Championship. I agree, but I think Dallas and San Francisco – I think Dallas actually has if, – if there's going to be a defense to stop San Francisco, I think it's Dallas with the way they pressure – because Brock Purdy cannot handle pressure at all, and Seattle wasn't able to do it at all. So, if they can, if they can manufacture pressure against Brock Purdy, I think it gets interesting. Yeah, 49ers have beat two playoff teams all year. It's the Chargers and it's the uh, Seahawks twice. Um, I think they actually swept the Seahawks so three times. But I mean, they've not faced a pass rush like that, uh, and I, I could see it. Like you know, I think the, I think the. Shoe will the other shoe will drop with Brock Purdy eventually, but the weapons yes. are just so good that even if they are getting a lot of pressure, you feel like they can mitigate it. I mean, I just looking at some of the stuff they're doing. I mean, they've got Christian McCaffrey lining up at tight end. They've got Debo Samuel, you know, flexing the backfield. I mean, it, it's crazy what they're doing right now. So it, it's good. That's def- to me. That's definitely the second best game of the week. I'm super excited for. It. I think Dallas actually is a really good matchup for them. I got Dallas. I'm, I'm taking Dallas because of the pass rushing factor. I think if you can get the Purdy and disrupt them, the rookie, the, the you know, the rookie who's going to show up at some point, in my opinion, I feel like that's going to happen this week. I'm actually, I don't think Jalen Hurts is healthy. Like, I don't think, you know, for the way that they want to use Hurts and everything, when I seen all that, I don't think he's healthy. I think if the Giants can play like they played last week, that that game is going to look a lot closer than what most people may think. I'm going to go Cowboys and Giants. Wow. Calling for the upset. My goodness. Could you imagine the privilege that would be a Chiefs-Cowboys Super Bowl? Oh. Oh. That would be the longest two weeks. I I don't know if I could handle those two weeks between, like, Uh. the the conference championships and the Super Bowl. It would be fun. It would be fun. But, oh, baby. I I would love to play Dallas. That would be the one team in the NFC that, like, I would feel very confident beating. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, all right. Another week of Kingdom Keys. We y'all will catch us back here uh, next week, hopefully. <laughs> you know, if, if, if we get another win, which I think the Chiefs will, I think you definitely will see us next week. Don't, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Reese Nichols at NaCH32 and at Price Carter, also at Earl Hair Pride. Is here's the Kingdom Keys to victory. Let's go, Chiefs. Mm-hmm.